Hello and welcome to A History of Hannibal, episode 62, War in Greece. Hello, it's good to be back. That has been a crazy few months. I finished my undergraduate dissertation, a study on aggression in the 3rd century Roman Sassanid Wars, for those curious. I'm sure that it will become an episode of something at some point. I've also finished up my exams, and my whole degree, in fact. At the time of writing, I'm just waiting for my results to come through. Then I can hopefully confirm doing the Masters next year. But this probably isn't terribly interesting to a great number of you, so why don't we just get back into things? It's 217 BC, and Greece is divided into three primary powers. The Macedonians in the north, the Aetolians to the north of the Gulf of Corinth, and the Achaeans to the south of the Gulf in the Peloponnese. The Achaeans and the Macedonians were often joined together against the Aetolians, and the Macedonians were led by their famous king, Philip V. It is late in 217 that Philip ended the Sacred War, which was going on within Greece, which we covered in our last episode, with the intention of taking advantage of the Roman losses against the Carthaginians, news having just come through of the huge defeat at the Battle of Lake Trasimene. Philip sent out feelers to look into taking land on the Adriatic coast, but nothing came of this. This is when word came of the even bigger defeats to the Romans of Cannae, and 215 was spent forming an alliance with Carthage, something we covered way back in episode 45. Rome was alarmed at what was going on, and in addition to allies on the Illyrian coast, such as the city of Apollonia, had become friendly with the Aetolian League. The Aetolians had often taken the brunt of Philip's aggression, and they had no desire to see him in an improved position. This is where we stand in the spring of 214, when it can be said that the First Macedonian War really got underway. Philip made his move by sea, heading into the Adriatic with 120 triremes. First, Philip took the town of Oricum, though the citizens sent for help from Marcus Valerius, who you'll recall was in charge of keeping an eye on Philip. Valerius moved quickly and managed to recapture the town which had been weakly garrisoned. The next city the Macedonians moved against was Apollonia, which was placed under siege. They had sent words to Valerius, saying that they were desperate. The delegates spoke of how they were being besieged for refusing to break their alliance with Rome, but they would be unable to last much longer without Roman assistance. In response, Valerius sent 2,000 men in warships to try and lift the siege under the command of Quintus Nivius Christa. Christa sailed his troops there before disembarking and sending the ships back to Oricum. He marched under the cover of darkness into the city without the Macedonians noticing. Thence, Christa inspected the men of the town. Hearing from scouts that discipline in the Macedonian camp was lax, Christa made his move. By night, he snuck into the undefended camp, having a thousand soldiers in there, before the Macedonians were aware of just what was happening. It was a possibility that they could have made it all the way to Philip himself, were it not for some trouble at one of the gates. They had attacked some men, which raised the alarm, 
From there, the camp descended into chaos. 3,000 were either captured or killed, the majority being captured, and the Macedonian camp was looted. The Apollonians took the siege equipment which had been prepared to take the city, and used it for defending their walls. Other captured items of value were given to the Romans. So, what happened to King Philip? He was awoken and terrified by the clamour as the camp was taken, so he leaped from his bed, stuck on some clothes which Livy notes as being bad even for a common soldier, and fled the scene. What a hero! He went straight to his ships and prepared to sail home. When word reached Valerius of what had happened at Apollonia, he prepared the fleet to stop Philip. The king did not feel his fleet was able to match that of the Romans, and so he beached and burned his ships, returning overland to Macedonia, while Valerius wintered at Oricum. What happened next is very confusing, as is this whole period, in fact. It seems that Philip gave up trying to take the Roman settlements on the Illyrian coast, and in 213 marched overland to attack Illyrian tribes, and managed to gain a foothold on the Adriatic. Philip was able to do little of importance in these years, which is the main thing. We now move forward to the next significant event, which takes us to 211. Valerius, who Livy now decides to call Livinus instead, sailed to Aetolia and spoke with the leadership there, pointing to the victories Rome had just achieved. The capture of Capua and the capture of Syracuse. They also reminded him of how awful Philip was and all the good things Rome could offer the Aetolians if they allied with them now, including control of Acanania. The Aetolians were persuaded and signed an alliance. They would fight Philip on land and would receive naval support from the Romans. Other states were included in this league, including King Attalus of Pergamum. The Aetolian envoys were delayed at Rome, so it took another two years until the treaty was formally ratified, but to all intents and purposes, the Aetolians were now Roman allies, and they immediately began fighting. Valerius captured a couple of towns before returning to Corsaira. Philip heard of the Aetolian war against him while he was wintering in the Macedonian capital of Pella. He was, in a word, outraged. He began making plans for actions against the Aetolians in the spring, but first launched devastating raids against Apollonia and Oricum. He then sent 4,000 troops south to Thessaly to prevent the Aetolians attacking while he was focused on war in Thrace. When he heard of the preparations the Aetolians were making, he was forced to give up this war and returned to Pella. As spring began, the Romans and Aetolians took the town of Locris, whereupon Valerius heard that he had been made consul, and so was to return to Rome and be replaced by Publius Sulpicius, the consul of the previous year. We will hear more about this next week. When he was back in Rome, Valerius reported these events to the Senate, that Valerius was pinned in Macedonia while the Aetolians made war on him, and that the fleet would be enough to keep him out of Italy. Therefore, the legion in Greece could be withdrawn, 
But again, more of this next week. The fighting continued, but the next event of significance was in 208. Sparta had joined the war on the side of the Romans, and so had started attacking the Achaeans to the north. Attalus of Pergamum was also finally about to enter the fray. This led Philip to finally move south into Greece. The forces met at Lamia in central Greece. Philip won two battles, killing a thousand of the enemy, leading the Aetolians to take refuge within the city. At this point, Ptolemaic Egypt and other states tried bringing about a peace, and a temporary truce was established, in which Philip moved to Euboea to make preparations should Attalus invade, and also moved troops to Argos in the Peloponnese. It did look as though a truce would be established, but upon hearing that Attalus was on Aegina, just off Athens, and that the Roman fleet was at Naupactus, in the Gulf of Corinth, the Anatolians began to cause trouble, bringing up minor breaches of the truce and made demands, which greatly annoyed Philip, considering the fact that he had just beaten them in battle. As a result, the conference achieved nothing, and Philip left 4,000 troops to defend the Aikians. A brief attack took place between the Romans and Philip, with Philip getting the better of the Italian force, the Romans managed to capture Elis in the northwest of the Peloponnese. It was then that Philip heard reports of trouble back in Macedonia from the barbarians, so he had to return north. The Roman leader, Sulpicius, wintered in Aegina with Attalus. They both sailed to Lemnos, an island in the north of Aegean, once summer began, before moving back to Greece where Sulpicius won a victory against the Macedonians and Attalus managed to capture a settlement, while Philip was in a generally terrible situation. Then things changed, as Philip was finally able to bring an ally, Prusius, the king of Bithynia, into the war. Prusius launched an attack upon Pergamum, forcing Attalus to return back to Asia. This allowed Philip to get the better of the war in 207. Without Italus and the Romans, the Aetolians simply didn't have enough strength to outmatch Philip on their own, and so they finally made peace in late 206. It may have been in his interests to wrap up the peace sooner than he did, because as soon as the peace with the Aetolians was concluded, he heard that a Roman force under the proconsul Sempronius had landed, 10,000 infantry and 1,000 cavalry. This had been intended to help the Aetolians, but the Romans were now insulted that the Aetolians hadn't consulted them before making a peace. So, instead, they went to Dorachium and began to cause trouble for the Macedonians among the Illyrian tribes. Philip acted quickly, before things could get out of hand, and so marched against Apollonia, devastating the countryside. While he was attacking them, Philip, at this point, did not want further war with the Romans and the Aetolians, and he didn't feel that he was able to take the town, so he withdrew to Macedonia. The Romans had little reason to continue the war as well. It was 205, and they were now doing well in the west. Philip had been kept in the east. A peace was drafted, if you will allow me to quote from Livy, Book 29, Chapter 12. Sempronius then laid down as the conditions of peace the secession to Rome of the Parthini, Dimalum, Barglum, and Eugenium, 
and the annexation of Atitania to Macedon, provided that Philip sent envoys to Rome and obtained the Senate's permission. These terms being agreed upon, Prusius, king of Bithynia, the Achaeans, Boeotians, Thessalians, Acananians, and Epirates were written into the treaty upon Philip's side, with the Ili, king of Talus, Pluratus, Nabis, tyrant of Lacedaemon, the Elians, Messenians, and Athenians on the Roman. The treaty was put into writing and signed, and a two-month armistice was agreed upon to allow envoys to be sent to Rome in order to obtain the people's sanction for the peace terms. All the tribes gave their consent, as now that the war looked like shifting to Africa, they wanted to be relieved for the time being of all military commitments elsewhere. This is where we are heading. We have completed our tour of the war in all theatres up to Cannae, and our second tour up to the Roman recapture of Capua, covering the entirety of the Greek theatre. All that is left is the final run-in. If you've enjoyed the show, remember to visit the website, check out our social media, and leave a nice review on iTunes. You can also visit historypodcasters.com for all your history podcasting needs. Please join us in two weeks, when we finally return to Hannibal in Italy, and begin the final run-in. So hang on, it's going to be one heck of a ride.